0: Section twenty three of Under Drake's Flag. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Under Drake's Flag A Tale of the Spanish Main by George Alfred Henty. Chapter twenty two Home the captain who was accompanied by the priest rode up the river to report the arrival of the ship and the events of his voyage to the authorities and to place in their hands the letter of the governor of tidore twenty-four hours later the captain returned with orders for the ship to sail up the river and that on their arrival the young englishmen were to be landed and conducted to the presence of the viceroy himself the young adventurers much as they had traveled were greatly struck with the appearance of goa it was indeed a city of palaces most solidly built of stone and possessing an amount of magnificence and luxury which surpassed anything they had ever seen in the streets a few portuguese magnificently dressed and escorted by guards moved among a throng of gaily attired natives whose slight figures upright carriage and intelligent faces struck the boys as most pleasing after their experience of the islanders of the south seas The immense variety of turbans and headgear greatly astonished them, as well as the magnificence of the dresses of some of these, who appeared to be men of importance, and who were attended by a retinue of armed followers. The young men were escorted by two officers of the viceroy, who had come on board ship as soon as she dropped anchor, to conduct them to his presence. At the sight of these officials the natives hastily cleared the way, and made every demonstration of respect, as the party passed through them the vice palace was a magnificent building surpassing any edifice the boys had ever seen and they were still more struck by the luxury of the interior they were led through several vestibules until at last they arrived in a large chamber at a table here the viceroy was seated while around him were a large number of the councillors and leading men of the place the viceroy rose as the young men advanced and bowed profoundly you are i hear englishmen and i am told but i can scarcely believe it that you belong to the ship of the captain drake whose exploits in the west indies against the spaniards have made him so famous but how belonging to him you came to be cast on an island in the south seas is more than we are able to understand no news of the expedition had reached the portuguese and the surprise of the viceroy was only natural the golden hind sir the vessel in which we were gentlemen adventurers rounded cape horn sailed up the american coast and then keeping west crossed through the islands and has we trust long since rounded the cape of good hope and arrived in england having circumnavigated the globe an expression of surprise broke from the assembled portuguese but a frown passed over the face of the viceroy what was the object of your captain in visiting these seas he asked they are the property of portugal and without the permission of his majesty no ship of any other nation may pass through our waters i can assure you ned said that there was no object either of conquest or of trade on the part of our admiral in visiting these seas when he rounded the cape his object was to discover if possible a passage round the northern coast of america back to england but when we went north we found the cold was great and that the land stretched away so that it would join with asia to the north being convinced then that no passage could be obtained in that way he sailed for england round the cape of good hope fearing the dangers of a passage round to the horn by which he lost on our passage out two of his ships and was well-nigh wrecked himself he only abode in the islands of the south seas for a few days to get provisions and water and then sailed straight for home Assured by this explanation, the viceroy now begged the boys to sit down, and he and his council listened with admiration and astonishment to the records of the expedition, and especially to the passage across America of two of the young men before him. The depredations which had been committed upon the Spaniards excited no indignation among the Portuguese, for these nations were rivals, and although they did not put their contentions to the test of the sword, each was glad enough to hear of any misfortune befalling the other the viceroy now assured the young men that he was proud to welcome the members of so gallant a crew as that of the great english navigator england and portugal he said did not clash and were always natural allies he trusted that they would always remain so and in the meantime he should be glad to treat the boys with all honour and afford them home by the first ship which might be sailing apartments were now assigned to them in the palace and here they were delighted to find a stock of clothes suited for them for the next fortnight they passed a pleasant time at goa they were the objects of much attention on the part of the portuguese and all vied in the attempt to make their stay pleasant to them they found that the town of goa occupied but a small space and that it was strongly fortified and the portuguese made no attempt to conceal their very high estimate of the fighting power of the natives one young officer who was specially told off to accompany the lads and who spoke spanish fluently was particularly frank in his description of the state of affairs "'All these gaily-dressed natives that one sees in the streets are, I suppose, Christians?' Ned asked. "'No, indeed,' the other said, surprised. "'What should make you think so?' Ned replied that in America he had found that the Spaniards insisted on all the natives at once embracing Christianity, on pain of death. "'The Spaniards,' the young Portuguese said, "'are lords and masters there. "'The natives are weak and timid and able to offer no resistance whatever. "'That is very far from being our position here. "'We are, I can assure you, only here on sufferance you can have no idea of the power of some of these native sovereigns of India the Marathas, who live beyond the mountains you see on the horizon could pour down such hosts of armed men that if they combined against us no resistance that we could offer would be likely to be successful and yet they are but one among a score of warlike peoples so long as we do not attempt to proselytize and are content to appear as merchants and traders no general feeling exists against our residents here but i can assure you that if it became known in india that we were forcing the natives to accept christianity the footing which we have obtained here would be speedily lost these people have regular armies they may not indeed be trained as are ours at home but individually they are very brave they have artillery of heavy calibre in the south seas as you know we endeavour to convert the heathen the people there are degraded savages by the side of these indians but we do not adopt the strong methods which the spaniards have done we have in portugal a good deal of your english freedom of opinion and the inquisition has never gained any firm footing amongst us upon one occasion the boys had the satisfaction of seeing a grand indian durbar for the chief on the corner of whose territory the portuguese had built their town with his permission came in to see the viceroy the boys were surprised at the magnificence of his cavalcade in which elephants camels and other animals took part and in which the trappings and appointments were gorgeous indeed while the dresses of the chiefs absolutely shone with jewels the attendants however made but a poor show according to european ideas there was at this time in european armies no attempt at regular uniform but there was a certain resemblance between the attire and arms of the men who fought side by side When upon the march regularity and order were maintained and the men kept together in step nothing of this kind was apparent among the troops who accompanied the indian chief they marched along by the side of the elephants and in groups ahead and in rear of them in a confused disorder and it seemed to the lads that a mere handful of european troops would rout such a rabble as this they said as much to their portuguese friend but he told them that the people on the coast could scarcely be considered as a fair sample of those who dwelt in the hill country behind The climate here, he said, is much more relaxing. Vegetation is extremely abundant, and all the necessities of life can be obtained in the easiest manner. Consequently, the people here are enervated, and cannot be compared to the horsemen of the plains. The seat of the Indian power lies at Agra and Delhi, sometimes one, and sometimes the other. The emperors there can take the field with two hundred thousand men if necessary, and even these, with all their power, have difficulty in maintaining their authority throughout India. You may judge therefore of the power of the various territorial chiefs a Fortnight later to their great delight the lads heard that a vessel would start in three days for Lisbon She was taking home a large cargo of spice and articles of Indian manufacture and a number of invalided Soldiers she was said to be a slow sailor But as no other was likely to start for some months the lads did not hesitate to avail themselves of the offer of the viceroy at Parting he presented them each with a sword set with diamonds And also purses of money in token of his appreciation of the valor displayed by them in the defense of Tidore. It is the viceroy said an honor to us to honor the members of the greatest marine expedition which has yet been made We Portuguese may boast that we have been among the foremost in maritime discovery And we can therefore the more admire the feats of your valiant Captain Drake the ship the Mia Pia, was a large one far greater indeed than the golden hind and the boys felt that in a floating castle of this description Their voyage ought to be safe and pleasant one The captain had received instructions to do all in his power to make the voyage agreeable to them A handsome cabin had been placed at their disposal and their position on board was altogether an honorable one The result justified their expectations the voyage although long passed without incident the maria pia experienced fine weather round the cape and catching trade winds made her course northward and arrived off the mouth of the Tagus without accident or adventure of any kind sailing up the river she filed a salute with her guns which was answered by those of the fort at the entrance the news had been signalled to the capital of the arrival of a ship from the indies and officials boarded her as soon as she cast anchor the captain at once went on shore and reported to the minister of the indies the news which he had brought from goa and gave an account of his voyage he delivered a letter from the viceroy stating that he had given a passage to four english gentlemen who had formed part of captain drake's equipage and who had rendered very great services in defeating an attack upon the island of Tidore by the people of Ternate. of which matters the viceroy added the gentlemen would themselves give a full account the minister at once sent on board an official to request the young men to land and upon their so doing he received them with great courtesy and gave a grand banquet the next day at which the british minister was present the lads were delighted upon landing to receive the good news that the golden hind had arrived safely in england four months before and that all europe was ringing with the great feat which she had accomplished the lads found that they were received by the distinguished company which met them at the table of the minister with much honour and respect and this was heightened upon their giving a detailed account of the adventures which had befallen them since leaving england the british minister offered them a passage to england in one of the queen's ships and having provided them amply with money they were enabled to make a good appearance and to enter with zest into the round of festivities of which they were made the objects during their stay They were presented to the king who received them most graciously and presented each with a sword of honour three weeks later they sailed up the thames and upon landing in london at once inquired for the residence of captain drake this they had no difficulty in discovering as he was the hero of the hour it was with great pleasure that they were received by the commander he expressed but little surprise at seeing them for as he told them he made sure that sooner or later they would arrive and had given orders that upon the division of the great sums which had been gained by the golden hind on her voyage their shares should be scrupulously set aside you had twice before he said to ned appeared after we had all given you up as dead and i could not believe that the four of you together could all have succumbed We got off the reef the next day shifting her cargo all upon one side and hoisting some sail so that the wind bore her down her keel lifted from the reef upon which she had fastened and without damage she went into deep water we spent four days in looking for you we landed at the island to which you had been directed and searched it thoroughly we then went to an island further to the south and spent three days in cruising round its shores we landed and captured some natives but could not learn from them that they had seen any traces of you whatever Most on board conceived that the canoe must have upset, and that you must have been drowned, but I never believed this, and felt convinced that from some unknown reason you had been unable to return to the ship, but that sooner or later you would arrive. From that point all went well with us. We had a rapid voyage down to the Cape, and coasted along it at a short distance. The weather was fair, and we turned our head north without loss of time, and so, by the help of Providence and a fair wind, we made our course to England, where our gracious Sovereign has been pleased to express her approval of our doings. I told her something of your journey across the south of the american continent and she was pleased to express her sorrow at the loss of such gallant and promising gentlemen I am sure that her majesty will receive with pleasure the news of your return now tell me all that has happened since I last saw you ned recited the history of their adventures and captain francis approved of the course which they had taken in making for tidore instead of ternate he was greatly amused at their experiences as south seas deities and said that henceforth let them be lost where they would or for as long as they might be he would never again feel any uneasiness as to their fate he invited them to take up their abode with him while they stayed in london and although they were eager to return to devonshire he told them that he thought they ought to wait until they had communicated with the queen and seen whether she would wish to see the gentleman in whom she had kindly expressed interest Captain drake had received the honor of knighthood from the queen's hand on his return from his voyage and was now sir francis drake and Was for the time the popular idol of the people whose national pride was deeply gratified at the feat of circumnavigation Now for the first time performed by one of their countrymen Captain drake dispatched a letter to her majesty at Westminster And the following day a royal messenger arrived with an order that he should bring the four gentlemen adventurers with him and present them to her majesty the young men felt not a little awed at the thought of being received by queen elizabeth but upon their presentation by sir francis the queen received them with so much condescension and grace that their fears were speedily removed i thought she said to captain drake that i should see four huge and bearded paladins you told me indeed that they were young but i had not pictured to myself that they were still beardless striplings although in point of size they do credit their native country I love to listen to tales of adventure she continued and beg that you will now recite to me the story of those proportions of your voyage and journeyings of which i had not heard from the lips of sir francis then modestly ned recited the story of their journey across america and afterwards took up the narrative at the point when they left the ship and her majesty was pleased to laugh hugely at the story of their masquerading as gods when they had finished she invited them to a banquet to be given at greenwich on the following day gave them her hand to kiss and presented each with a diamond ring in token of her royal favor the following day they went down in the barge of sir francis drake which formed part of the grand cortege which accompanied her majesty on her water passage to greenwich there a royal banquet was held with much splendor in display after which a mask prepared by those ingenious authors mr beaumont and mr fletcher was enacted before her Three days later they embarked upon a country ship, bound for Plymouth, and, after a rough tossing in the channel, landed there. They were received with much honor by the mayor and dignitaries of Plymouth, for Sir Francis had already written down, giving a brief account of their adventures, and of the marks of esteem which the queen had been pleased to bestow upon them. And Plymouth, as the representative of the county of Devon, rejoiced in giving hearty welcome to her sons, who had brought so much credit upon them. After a stay of a few hours, the lads separated, Tom and Reuben each starting for their respective homes, while Ned, who had no family of his own, accompanied Gerald, in whose home he was looked upon almost as a son, and where the welcome which awaited him was as cordial as that given to Gerald. The share of each of the adventurers in the golden hind was a very large one, and Ned purchased a nice little property, and settled down upon it, having had enough of the dangers of the seas, and resolving no more to leave his native country, unless his duty to his queen should demand his services that time was not long in arriving for towards the end of 1586 all europe rang with the preparations which philip of spain was making to invade england the devonshire gentlemen who had fought on the spanish main and who but lightly esteemed spanish valor at sea at first scoffed at the news but soon no doubt could be entertained early in 1587 sir francis drake wrote to his friends who had fought under him that her majesty had honored him with a commission to beat up the spanish coast and invited them to accompany him The four friends hastened, with many others, to obey the summons, and on joining him at Plymouth he was pleased to appoint each to the command of a ship. Some weeks were spent in earnest preparation, and in March a fleet of thirty vessels set forth, full manned and equipped. Accustomed, as the young men were, to see great Spanish ships taken by single boats, and a whole fleet submissive before one ship, it seemed to them that with such an armament they could destroy the whole navies of Spain, and even then that little glory would be divided between each vessel upon the eighteenth of april the fleet was off of cadiz and sir francis made the signal for the captains of the fleet to go on board the flagship there he unfolded them to his plan of forcing the entrance to the port and destroying the spanish fleet gathered there cadiz was one of the strongest places of spain and the enterprise would to most men have seemed a desperate one but to men who had fought in the spanish main it seemed but a light thing as they left the admiral's cabin ned invited his three friends to dine on board his ship the sovereign and a right merry gathering it was as they talked over their past adventures and marveled to find themselves each commanding a ship about to attack the fleet of spain in its own harbor upon the following day the fleet sailed boldly towards the port of cadiz where the people could scarce believe that the british intended to force the entrance to the fort when they saw that such was indeed their purpose they opened fire with all their batteries great and small the english ships sailed on unheeding their reception and delivering their broadsides as they neared the port although they had been in many fights this was the first great battle at which the French had been present and the roar and the din of the combat the sound of their own guns and those of the enemy the crashing and rending of wood and the cheers of the sailors in no little surprised them the spanish gunners in their haste shot but badly and with sir francis drake's ship leading the way the fleet forced the entrance into the port as they entered they were saluted by the cannon of the spanish vessels within But without more ado they lay these aboard so mightily were the spaniards amazed by the valor and the boldness of the english that they fought but feebly jumping over for the most part or making their way in their boats to shore then sir francis caused fire to be applied to the spanish ships and thirty great war vessels were destroyed before the eyes of the townspeople while the english fleet sailed triumphantly away Then, following the line of the coast as far as St. Vincent, the Admiral captured and burned a hundred other ships, and destroyed four great land forts. Looking into the Tagus, the King of Portugal having been forced by Spain to aid her, Captain Drake captured the St. Philip, the largest ship of their navy, which was, to the gratification of the sailors, laden with a precious cargo. After these exploits, the fleet returned to England in triumph, having for the time crippled the forces of Spain philip however redoubled his preparations the fleets of naples and sicily of venice and genoa were added to those of spain the dockyards worked night and day and by the end of the year all was in readiness in england men had not been idle a great army was raised of people of every rank and condition catholics as well as protestants uniting in the defense of the country while in every port round the din of preparation was heard the army was destined to combat the thirty thousand spanish soldiers commanded by the duke of parma in the netherlands where a fleet of transports had been prepared to bring them across when the great armada should have cleared the sea of english ships by dint of great efforts one hundred ninety one english ships of various sizes these mostly being small merchantmen mere pygmies in comparison with the great spanish galleons were collected while the dutch dispatched sixty others to aid in the struggle against spain on the twenty ninth of may the spanish armada sailed from the Tagus but being delayed by a storm it was not until the nineteenth of june that its advance was first signaled by the lookout near plymouth then from every hill throughout england beacon fires blazed to carry the tidings and every englishman betook himself to his arms and prepared to repel the invaders instead however of attempting to land at once as had been expected the spanish fleet kept up channel the orders of the king being that it should make first for flanders there from junction with the fleet of the duke of parma and so effect a landing upon the english coast As the great fleet, numbering a hundred and thirty large war vessels, and extending in the form of a crescent nine miles in length from horn to horn, sailed up channel, the spectacle, although terrible, was magnificent, indeed. The ships of Plymouth at once slipped anchor, and set out in pursuit. Sir Francis Drake led, and close by him were the vessels commanded by the four friends. Paltry, indeed, did the squadron appear by the side of the great fleet, but from every port, as they passed along, came reinforcements, until, in numbers, they equaled those of the great ships of Spain these reinforcements were commanded by admirals hawkins frobisher and other gallant seamen while lord howard lord high admiral of england was in chief command there was no great action attempted for the floating spanish castles could have ridden over the light ships of england but each commander fell upon the enemy like dogs upon the flank of an array of lions sir francis threw himself into the centre of the spanish lines followed by many other english ships and thus separated several of the great galleons from their consorts and then fell to work battering them The Spaniards fought valiantly but at a disadvantage, for the smaller ships of the English were so quickly handled that they were able to take up positions to rake their enemy without exposing themselves to the broadsides which would have sunk them. When at last they had crippled their foes, they would either close upon them and carry them by boarding, or, leaving them helpless wrecks upon the water, would hoist all sail and again overtake the Spanish fleet. The battle continued day and night for five days, with scarce an intermission, the various English admirals sometimes attacking altogether, sometimes separately. The same tactics ever prevailed the spaniards sailing on and striving to keep in a compact body the english hovering round them cutting off every ship which lagged behind breaking the ranks of the enemy and separating vessels from their consorts hard was it to say that in that long struggle one man showed more valor than another but the deeds of the ships commanded by the devonshire gentlemen were second to none on the twenty-seventh their ships were signaled to sail to join those assembled near dunkirk to check the progress of the duke of parma's fleet they reached the english fleet in time and soon the spaniards were seen approaching they kept in a compact mass which the english ships could not break for a while the fight went badly and then a number of fire ships were launched at the spaniards seized with panic these at once scattered and the english falling upon them a series of desperate conflicts ensued ending almost always in the capture or destruction of the enemy the duke of medina sidonia who commanded the main spanish fleet sailed north intending to coast round the north of scotland and so return to spain the english ships followed for a while but were from the shortness of the supplies which had been placed on board forced to put into harbour and a great storm scattering the spanish fleet and wrecking many only sixty vessels and these with their crews disabled by hardship and fatigue ever returned to spain as a consequence of their gallantry in these battles and upon the urgent recommendations of sir francis drake her majesty was pleased to bestow the honour of knighthood upon each of the four young devonshire gentlemen as upon many other brave captains after this they went no more to sea nor took any part in the disastrous expedition which admirals drake and hawkins together made to the spanish main when the brave sir francis lost his life from fever and disappointment soon after the return from the defeat of the armada sir edward hearn married the only sister of his friend gerald and lived with her happily to a green old age the friendship between the four friends never diminished but rather increased as they grew in years and many marriages took place between their children and grandchildren four times a year upon the occasion of special events in their lives great family gatherings were held at the house of one or the other sir gerald generally held festival on the anniversary of the defeat of the spanish attack on the forest fortress in puerto rico tom upon that of his escape from the prison of the inquisition reuben generally celebrated the day when in the character of a south sea idol he aided to defeat the hostile islanders while ned kept up the anniversary of their return to england As to the victory over the Armada, they always had to draw lots as to the house in which that great event should be celebrated. Upon all these occasions, stories were told at great length, and their children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, for all lived to see these growing up, were never tired of listening to tales of the Spanish Main. End of Chapter 22 End of Under Drake's Flag A Tale of the Spanish Main by George Alfred Henty